motto at Thrive is don't just survive, thrive. And we do that by, we said three words, and we say this every Sunday because the whole thing of it is, is the Bible says to write the vision on your heart, make it plain. And we need to have this in our heart. We need to know what our church is about, what the local church is about. And what we're about is grow, develop, succeed. We're growing a kingdom of God. We're developing our character. And the way we succeed is we succeed by doing the call of God that's on our lives, both in this local church and in our community. And that's how we succeed. This morning, we're going to have a few things going on, and so it might be a little bit different this morning, but that is awesome. So if I can have Cody, Veronica, Liberty, and the grandparents come on up here, we're going to first start off with a baby dedication. Yeah. Amen. You can come on, yeah, come up on the stage. Oh, whoa, you guys are coming that way. You can take the steps if you want. It's all good. It's all good. Maybe if I can get you on this side here. That's awesome. Now, this is an awesome day, okay? And this isn't the greatest day of your life, but this is up there. The greatest day of your life is the day you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's the greatest day of your life. But because you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're doing a great thing by saying, you know what, God, we thank you for this child that you've given us to care for. And we receive this child with gladness and we dedicate this child back to you. Give us wisdom to teach us how to raise the child. Because, see, manly wisdom, worldly wisdom, is not going to help you at all. You need wisdom from above. And so I'm going to charge you in front of heaven and, and all these people to raise liberty the way that God would have you raise liberty. And not by a bunch of rules and regulations and do not do this and do not do that. But raise liberty with the very love of the Father. And when she sees the love of God in your lives together, putting into her life, she's going to reflect the way you guys are because we all reflect our parents in some way or another. So instead of looking to our natural parents, and I'm not saying they did a bad job, but no one can do as good of a job as our Heavenly Father. So let's reflect to our Heavenly Father and let's take a look at Him. And the way you look at Him is, is look at the works of Jesus. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And these are, these are the works that you're going to do. The Bible also says that train up a child in the way they should go. And when they get older, they're not going to depart. That doesn't mean they're not going to skin their knees. But when they skin their knees, don't be so negative. Oh, you didn't do this and you can't do this. Don't be, do that. Just say, come on, honey, get up. You can do it. I believe in you. See, that's what God does with us. He believes in us. And I'm going to charge you grandparents the same way. If you see some things, not just in Liberty's life, but you see some things in your children's lives that you don't tear them down, build them up. Encourage them. Be the parents that God has created you all to be. And so I want to pray with you guys right now. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the parents and the grandparents of Liberty. And Father, I thank you that you're giving them the wisdom to be able to, to take on this task. But Father, I lay my hands on liberty right now and I pray for wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you that the eyes of her understanding be enlightened to the hope of your calling that she know the riches of the glory and the heritage of the saints and that she knows your love and the fullness of your, of your love and your greatness in Jesus' name, amen. All right, we'll give it up. You're welcome. Now this morning, you're gonna see a couple of these guys again because uh, they're going to get wet. They're, woo, they're going to the dunk tank. Amen? 
Now, you know, some people, they get a little weird and a little religious on you if you say dunk tank, but I'm going to tell you, one of the best baptisms I was ever involved in was at a youth camp. And some of y'all might say, well, okay, well, that doesn't sound too weird. Well, wait a minute, it gets better. There were four youth pastors involved, and we had, um, I think we had 300 teenagers with us, and I, I believe it was somewhere around 20 teenagers that decided to get baptized. A couple of them probably really wanted to get baptized, but the others probably just wanted the experience. And the reason why I say that is because we did it on a water slide. We had two youth pastors on the top of the water slide, two youth pastors on the bottom of the water slide. We said, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, and they went down. And then the youth pastor caught them at the bottom and brought them back up. Now, that was a pretty cool baptism. Now, in a religious church, they would call that mockery and all kinds of other stuff. But you know what? The bottom line is this. These kids gave their lives to Christ, and that's who really saves us. Amen? <clears throat> well, glory to God. We're going to continue on with our series. And um, I know that Misty, had uh, she preached last week, and man, it was an awesome job. And Come on. It was. It was an awesome job. It was, it was awesome. But you know what? She didn't, I don't think she really realized at the time, but she actually fit right into our series. Our series is called Living Free. What better way to live free than to live free from anxiety? Amen? So, I mean, she was just right on point. You know, one of the most difficult things I've ever seen in church is a believer trying to live the free life. I mean, I'm serious. Living that free life is, I mean, it's, it's hard. And that's because right off the bat, as soon as people come to Christ, right off the bat, they have these religified deacons or demons, whatever you want to call them. You have these religified people that come in, and they mean well. It's not that they don't mean well, but all of a sudden they start slapping rules and regulations and stuff like that on them. They, they, they're, instead of trying to get them to know God. See, what it is, they're, they're, they're trying to get a New Testament believer to live by Old Testament rules and regulations. And you know what I hear by these people all the time? Well, God never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I believe that, but the terms of the agreement have changed. God didn't change. Well, what do you mean the terms of the agreement have changed? The terms of the agreement have changed because the Bible says old what? Testament. Testament means will. New Testament. Testament means what? Will. When you have an old, when somebody dies and there's an old will and a new will, which will do you go by? The new will. God didn't change. His requirements remain the same. What happened between the will was Jesus came, paid the price, shed his blood for past, present, and future sin. So he, yes, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he still is so holy, but our holiness is not based upon what we do, it's based upon what Jesus did. When we can understand that, then all of a sudden it's not that, hey, yeah, well, hey, ooh, now I can go out and sin. No, now I have so much pressure taken off of me, and it's all placed upon Jesus. All I have to do is love him, and the more I fall in love with him, the better I turn out to be because I change from the inside out instead of the outside in. And that's why it's so hard to live free, because, because we were taught to live a certain way. A certain way. Um, a, few, a couple weeks ago, we were talking about grace and the power to live free. And like I said, today we're going to continue on with our message, and what we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about relationships. Grace is phenomenal, but it will never work without a personal relationship with Jesus. 
No matter what he did, unless you have that relationship with him, grace will not work. And no, I'm not talking about grace. Because she's sitting over there. But God's ability, which is grace, will not work in your life without that relationship. And you can't get it from somebody else. You can't get it from your parents. You can't get it from your spouse. You can't get it from anybody else's relationship. You have to have one with Jesus. And just because the Bible uses words like this, sons, and I I hate that I have to teach this, but the Bible says stuff like sons doesn't necessarily mean he's talking about a male. See, what happens, and the reason why I have to teach stuff like this is because people try to be so politically correct, and all this politically correct garbage has crept into the church. We need to stop being politically correct, and we need to start being biblically correct. Here's the scripture for it, Galatians 3, 26 through 28. It says, you are all sons. What? You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have, been, have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither what? Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, what? Male nor female. You are all one in Christ. So what is it? You are all sons. So let's stop being so political. Oh, God looks at women different than he does men. No. We have different jobs in the body. That's it. We all have, as a pastor, I'm no different than anybody else here. It's just my job. It's the calling that I have in my life to glorify his kingdom. We are all sons of God. And the only way you can become a son is with a relationship with him and understanding that you're a son and not a slave. See, even in the disciples group, in their little group, they had a hierarchy. What? Yeah. And if you think about it, you think, well, you know, Peter's the one. You know, I'm going to say John was the one. And the reason why I say that is because every time you hear his name, you hear that's the one Jesus loves. And that's not that Jesus loved him anymore. It's just John had a revelation of how much Jesus loved him. Just like the revelation I have. See, I don't know about you guys, but I'm going to tell you about me. Because I don't know about you. See, right now, the Father God is sitting in his recliner up in heaven. Because he's not worried about anything. Jesus is chilling right next to him. And they might be having a little bit of tea. Because they're not drinking wine until we all get back together. You know what I'm saying? And the Father, right now, he looked over Jesus. He hit him on his chest right now. He pointed, because my picture's right above the mantle. He goes, that's my boy. That's the revelation of being the one whom Jesus loves. When you understand that revelation, Jesus loves every single person. The Father loves every single person that way. And if you understand that, it will cause you to love him more. It will cause you to treat him and respond to him differently. Galatians 4, uh, 4 through 7, it says, But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Man, that's awesome right there. Because you are his sons, remember that sons and daughters, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, 
the Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. Now, this is something completely supernatural that happened. This is not something natural at all because he's talking about adoptions as son, us becoming adoptions as sons, that what happens is the Spirit of Christ comes to the inside of us when we enter in. And, you know, this was a new idea, a new concept from the old way of thinking to the new way of thinking. Because in the old way of thinking, God related to him on the outside externally. In the new way of thinking, God relates to us on the inside internally because we've been cleaned from the inside out. So there's a new relationship that's been created, that's been initiated by God himself. It causes you to say, Daddy, Daddy, I love you. And it's from a pure heart. It's not because you've listened to somebody else or you're, you're going through religious motions. It's because you're so in love with him, it causes you to change. It goes on to say, so you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. So you're a child of God. You're not a slave. You don't relate to him like you're a slave, like he's some taskmaster. Matter of fact, he has put us as heirs. There's a story. <clears throat> I heard this years ago when I was in Bible college. There was this lady who worked, and she was a maid, and she worked for this rich family for years. And the old guy, he ended up passing away. And she didn't know what was going on, but they let her stay in the house that was on the property. And she stayed there for, I don't know, I think it was like 10, 15 years. I don't remember the exact time. But a guy was coming, on, coming around and he was selling Kirby vacuums. And he started talking to the lady. And he, he looked on the wall and he, and he asked her, he said, can I see that? And he looks on the wall, and he said, where did you get that? She said, well, I worked for the property manager here, the owner here, for most of my life. And when he passed away, this is what he gave me. And they let me stay here for free. And so I've hung this up on the wall. She couldn't read. He left her the full estate with all of his wealth. See... You can be born again and you can go to church and you not know you're an heir and you'll act and live like a pauper. But once you find out who you are, once you know the relationship that you have, everything changes. <coughs> this lady was just grateful to be a servant. You're no longer a slave. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. When you understand what that really means, everything changes. And no offense against people who go to religious churches or anything like that. It's not. You're still born again if you really believe but you're in slavery being born again on this earth. And that's not the way God wants you to be. 
there's some differences in being a slave and a son, and I'm going to give you some right now. And the first difference is this. The slave has a master. And that's what he has. He's got a master. A master, if you do the wrong thing or you say the wrong thing, then, you know, you're in trouble. You know, I mean, there's an old song, God's going to get you for that. And that's the way the church runs. God's not going to get you for that. What God wants to do is God wants to give you everything so you can be free. When you go down and you hit, hit the ground, quit reading the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, the Old Will, that it, what it used to be, and start realizing what it is. Instead of reading that being struck by lightning, read how the people in this era, because Jesus came, were encouraged. Encouraged to get back up and do right. So let's stop acting like, and excuse me if you parents out there act like this, but let's start acting like this. Because this is what works. This never worked. That's why they needed a new one. If the old covenant would have worked, Jesus would have never came to, to the earth. Amen? So the son has a father. You know what a father does? A father, a daddy, he's in the living room while cartoons are playing with little Johnny on his back doing a horsey back ride. You know? You know what a father does? A father goes out and plays catch in the backyard. You know what a father does? A father takes his son, little Joshy over there, and cuddles up with him at the couch and puts him right here and turns on Land Before Time and watches Littlefoot and Sarah and Petrie. Oh, wait a minute. You know the characters. Yes, I watched it. Now, I watched it. I had my own reason, and it wasn't always to try to get closer to God. Sometimes it was to get a good nap. Because he would fall asleep, and I would fall asleep with him. <clears throat> but that's the father. The father has a totally different relationship than a slave. When Jesus was on earth, he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. So it's a different relationship. When you saw Jesus with children, oh, my goodness. You take a look at him. He was a kid magnet. You show me a taskmaster. You show me a mean person that has a bunch of kids just all over him. You don't have that. Why? Because of the relationship. In Romans chapter 8, and verses 15 and 16, it says, The spirit you receive does not make you slaves, so that you live in fear again. So, in other words, it's not talking, the fear this is talking about is being afraid. If you're in fear, the, being afraid of God, terrified, well, then you don't understand. You're still in slavery. You don't understand the relationship you have. The fear of the Lord you should have is reverence and honor. That's the fear we're supposed to have. Not to be terrified. It, he goes on to say, rather the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and that's why we cry, what? Abba, Father. See, when you address somebody a certain way, I know your relationship with them. If you pray and you say, thus thou, though thine heavenly Father, I know you don't know him. You know, sometimes I'm, when I'm praying, 
I don't just, okay, well, I got to go, you know, get over here and get on my knees and, oh, oh, God, please come help me. No, I don't do that. I said, God, I'm jacked up. I need your help. Father, I love you. I mean, I just talk to him. And I give him my heart. Why? Because that's what he wants. And when he talks to you, he wants to give you his heart. And we need to receive that. Amen? It goes, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. So like I said, I know by how you address God on where your relationship with is together with him. I know where it's at. Matter of fact, how you address me, I know where we stand. Most people either call me Rick, Pastor Rick, and, and they kind of know me. The people who don't know me, hey, Brother Rick. My mama didn't call me brother. She didn't name me brother. She named me Rick. And the only reason why some people call me Pastor Rick, they do it out of respect for the office that I hold as a pastor. That's, that's cool, but I'm not going to look down on people who say, hey, Rick, no, because I'm not caught up in a title. But you know where people are with me by how we communicate together, just like I know where people are, how they communicate. My wife calls me honey. Brittany and Josh call me dad. Alexa, a lot of times, says daddy. It shows you the relationship that we have. Josh doesn't say, hey, Pastor Rick. Now, that would be weird. <laughs> because he is my son. As a matter of fact, we tell each other all the time, my son, my kids, we all say to each other all the time, I love you. They don't live in the house. And even when Josh was 18 and living in the house, he didn't have a problem if I hugged him, if I gave him a hug and I kissed him, he would kiss me on the cheek and tell me that he loved me. You know, in today's society, that's weird. But you know what? In the church, it should not be weird. It should be natural. We should not be thinking and doing perverted things. We should be naturally loving one another, holy and pure of heart. Amen? Here's the next set. <coughs> Excuse me. Slave is an employee. And you know, an employee, they have to be there. Because if they're not there, they get fired. You know? I mean, the employee never looks at the job as being the work of the family. They, they don't look at it as the family business. Because they realize this. I can get another one where I, where I found this one at. I was looking for a job when I, when I was looking for this one. So they don't, they don't look at it the same. Let's, let, let me put it in more perspective. Let's say your mom and dad own the AMC theater over here. And let's say you're an adult now, you left your home, you're married, you have kids, and you get provision through AMC because, because daddy had brought you along to manage it. Well, now it's a family business. 
You are a joint heir with your daddy on this business, so it's a family business. It means more to you. You're going to want to make sure that this place is packed out so that way the business does well. Because it's paying for your bills, it's doing all, it's a family business. But the thing of it is, is your employees are thinking, I'm doing this while I'm in high school. I'm only getting paid minimum wage. They don't look at it the same way. I'd rather, I'd rather this place not be packed out because I don't want to clean up all the popcorn and all the trash and all the stuff. All right, let's bring it close to home. You ready? The sun is an error. So it's not just a job. It's a family business. When you do your calling in the ministry... It's not a job, it's the family business. So what does that mean? This carpet is your carpet. This building is your building. These drums, they belong to you. That paper that people are throwing down on your property, that's your paper. It's not somebody else's responsibility to get it who's outside the family. It's the family's business. It's our responsibility to take care of what needs to be taken care of. You're an heir. We're a family. All right. Let's bring it a little closer. Now, if you're an heir and this all belongs to you, what y'all doing just sitting on the couch? It's time to get involved in daddy's business. Huh. But it's Saturday, and, and Saturday's the only day I have off to be with. You're an employee, not an heir. Because you're doing it on your comfort. You're doing it on your terms. Well, I found another church. I, I was looking for one when I found this one. I know I shouldn't say this, God, but I'm going to say it anyway. Don't let the door hit you with a good Lord split you. I, 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 mean, I mean, what I'm getting at is this, is I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just saying this. That means you're not part of this family. You probably need to get into the other family, and that's cool. I'm not mad at you. But wherever you go, get involved and be part of the family business. Now, we're all in the same family. Some of us are just cousins. Some of us are distant cousins. But we're in the same family. And wherever you're at, wherever you're doing your family gathering, your family reunion, get plugged in. Amen. Mm. So when you join the dream team at Thrive, you're not just a greeter. You're not just a teacher. You're not just a volunteer. You're an owner, and you have vested interest here. This belongs to you. Why? Because it belongs to God. And you being a joint heir with God, everything that belongs to God belongs to you. Everything belongs to you belongs to God. That's what that means. Romans 8, 17. It says, now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God, there it is, and co-heirs, that means equal, with Christ. So if you're thinking that Jesus has more heirship, ownership, First of all, it says that we are heirs of God, talking about the Father, and co-heirs, equal heirs with Jesus. These are God's words. 
But, you know, for whatever reason, people don't know who they are in Christ Jesus, and they go, they look over that. They don't have that relationship with him. See, God wants you to prosper in every area of your He doesn't want to meet just your needs. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not. You notice it didn't say need. Man puts need in translation, so you have to really take a look at it. Because where it says, God shall supply all, everything I need, right? Through his, what? Riches and glory. That word need means wants and desires. If you look it up in the Greek. That goes along with, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So why does he want you to have more than what you need? So that way you can give to others. See, you can't do what he's called you to do if you don't have more than what you need. Because if you don't have more than what you need, then when someone is in need who comes across you, the only thing you can do is say, okay, be warm. I'll pray for you. I'll tell you, prayer works, but it works better when people see your life prospering. Because now you're a testimony who's able to give somebody a fish and then teach them how you got your fish. This is good stuff right here. <coughs> Excuse me. Last week when we talked about grace, we said that you can't earn it. There's nothing you can do to merit, merit it. We got, you get it by receiving it through faith. That's the only way you get it. And then after you receive it through faith, then all of a sudden a transformation needs to be happening. If you don't have a transformation happening in your life, you did not receive grace through faith. Yeah, you can receive mercy. See, everybody confuses mercy and grace. Mercy's this. Mercy is God didn't strike you dead when he should have. Or send you to hell when he should have, you know. But grace is God's ability to be able to live and conquer the sin in your life and live above it. It's not your ability, it's his. So when I say I do this by the grace of God, the reason why I'm able to pastor and teach the way I pastor and teach is because God's given me his ability to do it. In my own ability, I can't do it. I mean, sure, I can talk in my own ability, and sure, there's a lot of things I can do in my own ability, and it, it sounds good and it might look good, but it's not going to have any effect on my life or your life. Not for a change. Anytime we're doing something, even if we're talented in an area, you could be, you could be I don't care, you could be anybody. Any talented musician or whatever, but if that stuff is just a talent and, it's not, and, it, and it, it hasn't changed your life, and it's not helping change somebody else's. It's just a talent. I would rather have somebody who can't play as well. Who's full of the spirit of God. Whose life is changing and turning around than have the best keyboardist in the world. I'm just being honest with you. Why? Because the best keyboardist in the world will draw me a crowd. The keyboardist that's anointed by God will change lives. And at the end of the day, I want to see everybody in the crowd in the same place I'm at at the end of the day. Amen? All right. Philippians 2, 12, and 13, the New Living Translation, it says this. 
It says, work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. So the reason why I do all this is because of this desire, this deep passion on the inside of me. And because of that deep passion and desire, he gives me the power to do the things that I need to do. That's what he just said. So this brings me to our last comparison. The slave is driven by duty. You feel you have to do it. You might not have any desire, but you're kind of trapped. It's kind of like this. Anybody ever feel that they had to read their Bible? Well, you're doing it by duty. If you feel that you're getting your arm twisted because you have to read your Bible, it's by duty. I got three more points. I do, but you stay up here. I was like, really, you do? With everything that's going on? Yes, I do. I do. The sun is driven by devotion. But hold on, just stand there and look pretty. Okay. Oh, no, you look good. I'll tell you, you look really good. Hold on, let me. I just want to get close to someone with a pink shirt. Hey, hey. Yeah, it's a little warm in here, just saying. Anyway, and that, that's because we're close to the light. Um, in Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42, it says, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he had said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. So both of these two loved Jesus. And they both had to give something to Jesus, but they both had different motivations. So it goes on to say, she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has what? Mary has chosen what is better. That means to tell me this, it's not a feeling. See, Martha was motivated, motivated by her feeling. Mary was motivated by her choice. People who leave churches usually are motiva motivated by their feelings. When God wants you to be motivated by your choice. Just saying. So if you're out there and you're thinking about leaving a church, stay where you're at until God changes your heart. So that tells me that relationships are motivated by choices and not feelings. Healthy relationships. Galatians 4, 8, 9, it says, Formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. So, those, so basically those who know who they are in Christ, they know you, you're not a slave to you know, this world, this world system. It says, but now that you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable principles? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? Paul was saying, look, guys, man, I showed you the way. I showed you the truth. I showed you how to get out. Now that I go take a trip because I'm trying to show some other people what's going on, these Christians come in from, from Jerusalem, these Judaizers come in, and they get you to turn your hearts again to slavery and bondage? When you came up to the altar and you said, Jesus, come into my life, and, then, and that's how you received him and accepted him. And then all of a sudden, this religious demon deacon comes in and he says, 
He, he says, oh, don't worry, that'll last a couple of years and then you'll be just like me. No, I won't. I'm not like him today. As a matter of fact, I can name his name, but I won't. Because I remember. I remember the time that they lied to me and they tricked me and they brought me into religion and got me out of a relationship and I got so caught up. And I'm not going to say I didn't have good times. We ran around the church and we hopped and hula and everything. I mean, hula hoop, whatever. We did the Jericho march, you know? You know what I'm talking about. <coughs> I'm not going to say we didn't have fun. But we were bound in religion and legalism. <laughs> well, at least the Holy Spirit was there. That's because the Holy Spirit to you was only by a feeling and not by a choice. See, I'm, an, I'm with the Holy Spirit by choice everywhere I go, no matter where I'm at. He never leaves me or forsakes me. I can be in the deadest religious church in the world, and y'all might be doing whatever, but I am full of the Holy Ghost and truth, no matter what. Amen? That's good stuff. All right, here's my three points. I'll give them to you fast because I've got this beautiful guy with a pink shirt behind me. He's going to kill me. Anyway, number one. See God as Father. How do you picture God? What, he's, what does he look like to you? Because whatever your view is of him, that's the way going to determine your relationship with him. If your view is he's a taskmaster, then your view is you're a slave. But if your view is he's daddy, your view is I'm a son, I'm a daughter. This is my house. I can do things in this house that other people can't do. See, I can go into the cookie jar where little Billy next door can't get in the cookie jar. Billy's got to say, Ricky, I cookie crumbs coming down my face, you know? I look at him, ah, you know? Billy, give me a cookie. I've got two left. <laughs> Here, but, but see what I'm getting at is, is when you know you're a son that you can get cookies out of the cookie jar, you can do things that someone who's not in the house can't do. So know him as father. Matthew 7, 9 through 11 says this, Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give good gifts to you? You know, I'm going to tell you what the problem is. That's a great saying, but I'm going to tell you what the problem is. The problem is your view of what a father is. See, Fathers in this world are not known to be so loving and caring. They might have moments of, but we're known to be either workaholics or taskmasters or, or all this other stuff. That's what fathers are. Our Father in heaven is not known to be that way. If you have the best father in the world, he can't compare to our father. So how, to you, how do you look at him? How do you view him? Number two. Approach God through relationship and not rules. See, most people look at him as a dictator. Thou shalt not do this, and thou shalt not, and thou shalt not, and thou shalt not. John 5, 39 and 40 says, You diligently study the scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. In other words, he said, you don't have a clue. You're just trying to impress people in your Sunday school class that you memorize scripture. But you don't know what it's about. Then he goes on to say, These are the scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me. To have life. In other words, he said the only reason why you should be getting into the Word of God is trying to get closer to Jesus. 
If you're not going there for that purpose, you're in there for the wrong purpose. Your motivation is wrong. So number one, you need to see God. Number two, basically, you have to have the right approach. And then number three, and this is my last point, give God my whole heart. That means you have to go all in with everything you have. You can't, you can't hold back. You can't look back. You have to let everything go. Yeah. Jeremiah 29, 13, and 14 says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with what? With all your heart. I will be found by you. In other words, if you're not all in, that's why you're struggling and you can't find God. He said, the way you'll seek me, the way you'll find me is if you go in, all in. That doesn't mean, okay, well, I come to church on Sunday, but I go ahead and sin on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, come back Sunday. No, it means go all in. That means when you do sin, because I know you are, as a matter of fact, you're probably sinning right now. Why? You're sinning right now thinking, wish, I wish you'd shut up so I can go out to the buffet. Um, but, the, but, this is the, but this is the deal. This is the deal. When you sin, just wipe the dust off your feet because daddy's saying, come on, come on, come on, you got this. You got this, come on, come on. So, so what I'm saying is when you fall, Listen to daddy. He's going to pat you on the back. He's going to encourage you. He's going to get you to, to start doing right. So go all in. When I got married to Leah, I didn't go halfway in. I went all in. I didn't get married to Leah, and she didn't get married to me. And, you know, I kept a few numbers from old, some old girlfriends, and she kept a few numbers from some old boyfriends. And, you know, we got together, you know, at, at night just with us. But, you know, during the day or the afternoon, we just decided to go out to lunch and hang out with someone else in a hotel room. No, we didn't do that. Why? Because that type of relationship does not work. You have to go all in, be sold out. And when you're sold out, then what he says, he says this, he said, then you will know me, then you will see me, then I will come. So this is the last point. Relationship changes everything. 